Open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. If you don't have your, your Bible or your device, we're going to go ahead and put the scriptures up on the screen. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest remains, let us fear lest any of you should seem to come short of it. For the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word preached did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. The title of my message today is The Promise of Rest. The Promise of Rest. It feels like we went through the holidays, we went through 21 days of fasting and prayer, February has come, halfway gone, and I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get right back into the day-to-day grind and get tired, sometimes exhausted. But the good news is the Bible promises us that God has rest for us, that we do not have to live off of fumes, we do not have to live a life of being exhausted, but that we can experience the rest of God in our life. And it's interesting, when we see in Hebrews chapter 4, we see the word therefore, and, and that word therefore, it ties this verse to the preceding verses. The end of chapter 3 explains that the Israelites who rebelled against God never entered his rest. They never entered his rest, and it's referring to the promised land. And in verse 2 says, but the word preached did not benefit them. It doesn't say that the word wasn't preached. It says that the word was preached, but it didn't help them. And why didn't it help them? Because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. You know, when Pastor Brian or myself or anyone else comes up here and and shares a word, there's a lot of things that are mixed together before Sunday comes. There's research, there's study, and there's prayer that goes into preparing a message. And all that just gets mixed up really good. And then on Sunday morning, you get to come, you show up, and you get to sit down, you get to listen, take notes, and receive what's been mixed together. Well, let me tell you this, if you're taking notes today and if you're listening or listening to the podcast, it's not enough just to listen to what's being shared. We need to listen and then mix it with obedience in our life so that we can experience the promises of God. Can someone say amen? It's important that we're not just hearers of the word, but that we're also doers of the word. And here, the writer of Hebrews is recording how the Israelites didn't mix their faith with the message of hope and deliverance. And they just kept wearing themselves out, continuing to function in that slave mentality rather than resting in the power and promises of God. That word rest, it means to cease activity. It it means to let go. You know, this past week, I'm here in the office and I get a text message from my wife, and she says, the car battery is dead. As a husband, there's two text messages that you do not want to receive from your wife. One is that, and the other one is, the tire is flat. Right? Husbands can, 
You, are you with me? Yeah, thank you. Um, so at that time, it's like, okay, nothing else in the world matters right now because I'm thinking the worst case scenario, you know, and, I, and I'm rushing and I wasn't speeding. I was keeping the speed limit. But I went to my wife as quickly as I can to rescue her from this dead car battery. And you know, if we're not careful in our life, we can become just like the Israelites and continue to repeat old patterns instead of resting in God. If we're not careful in our life, we can allow our minds and our emotions and our thoughts to to keep running on and on instead of resting in God. Because what happened is the car battery didn't just die. A few nights before, we were traveling, and it was raining really hard, and it was late. And, um, And I turned the lights on instead of keeping it in auto like I normally do. It was hard to see. I figured, okay, if I take it off of auto and put it on on, I'll see better. No, that didn't work. I don't know why I thought that, but that's just what I did. But see, I'm used to the pattern of keeping my setting on auto when I pulled into the garage. I didn't even think to shut off the lights. So what happened? That happened um, whenever that happened. Two days later, my wife goes to start up the car, and it's not starting. And we can be like that. We can sometimes leave our lights on, right, when we should be resting instead of thinking about and worrying about things that are going on, we should get the rest that our body needs, but our mind just keeps going and our emotions keep going and we try to do things in our own strength to the point where we experience exhaustion. And that's not a good place to be. But praise be to God. In fact, 1 Kings eight fifty six says, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. And even though you might not be experiencing the fulfillment of promise in your life today, that doesn't mean that the promise has been revoked from your life. Sometimes we think, well, if it hasn't happened by now, it's never going to happen. It's always going to be this way. That's not true. That's a lie. Because his rest still remains, his promise still stands, and it has your name on it. But how do we experience the promise of rest that is being shared here? Well, we're just going to look at two steps. The first step to access the The promise of rest in our life is, number one, we have to pursue the presence of God. We have to pursue the presence of God. It's not just going to happen. Sometimes it does, but most times it does not. We have to pursue the presence of God. The Pharisees, man, they place so many rules and regulations on the people that had religion written all over it, and it became work. It became heavy labor. It became a burden to carry. But Jesus shows up on the screen and he invites true disciples, true believers with eyes open to the truth to come to him and find relief from these works. That's what it says here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, 
Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me. It's a gracious invitation from Jesus extended to everyone. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Jesus doesn't say, go and learn. He doesn't say, go and read. He doesn't say, go and figure it out on your own. He says, no, come to me. And when you come to me, I'm going to give you rest. And God responds when we mix the faith in our heart with the truth of his word. He does. He responds to that. When we pray, he listens. When we repent, he forgives. When we bring ashes, he gives us beauty. When we sow, he pours out blessings. And when we come to him, he gives us rest. He gives us rest. But the challenge is, how do we get to that resting place? From a practical standpoint, for me, I was experiencing this, and and I had to really have a self-evaluation. What are the things in my life, what am I doing on a regular basis that's causing tiredness, that's causing me to feel anxious, that's causing me to feel worried? What, What are the things either that I'm thinking, the people I'm hanging around, the activities that I'm involved in, the things that I'm watching, the things that I'm listening to? What what environment do I allow myself to be in that just kind of becomes this drain in my life? And then I had to look at, well, what in my life can I do that brings rest? For me, I love to just go to the beach. Real practical. I just love to go to the beach, the smell, the sounds, the, the visual, the fresh air. For me, that's, that's just where, that's where I fill up. For me, that's where I connect with God. And strangely enough, listening to music really, really loud is where I find rest, right? It's like, honey, does the music really have to be that loud? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. For me, I just enjoy it. That's what brings me rest. So if you're taking notes, I want you to do this. I want you to draw a line down the middle of the page if you're taking notes. On one side of the page, on one side of that line, write down what drains me. On the other side of that line, write what gives me rest. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to go I want you to sit before the Lord, and I want you to be honest with yourself. Self-evaluation. Be honest and look at those things. Things don't just happen by chance. We have to be intentional. Is this helping anybody? We have to be intentional. From a spiritual standpoint, well, what Jesus said, come to me. I think that can apply to everyone. The Bible recognizes the need for spiritual and physical relief. But the true resting place of humanity lies in God. The true resting place for our lives is in God. I want to speak to spouses for a second. I just want to tell you that your rest does not come from your spouse. Husbands, it doesn't come from your wife, and wives, it doesn't come from your husband. 
And we have this mentality, if he would just do this, if he would just stop doing this, if these circumstances would just go the way I feel like they should go, then I can get rest. And try again. Parents, rest does not come from your children making the right choices, listening to you, or cleaning their room. It helps, but that's not where your rest comes from. You know, even the Israelites, even when they stepped into the promised land, it was a level of rest, but it wasn't the rest that comes from living in the promised land Hearing about Jesus, accepting the truth about Jesus, and then having a relationship with Jesus where they can have a personal walk with him. That, right there, is where they will experience rest. And that's what happens in our life. We, we get caught up in the circumstances and we think, if all that can just go right, no, no. What you need to do, when the dog is barking, the house, the, the pile of laundry everywhere, the babies, let the baby cry, they'll be fine. I get a couple of nods and a couple of bad looks. Just connect with God. Pursue his presence. And I know this takes a little extra effort. I know it does. Trust me. I'm, gonna, I'm saying it firsthand. Because our mind goes all over the place. Our emotions are through the roof. But I'll tell you what begins to happen. It's like taking our phone out. And saying, how in the world do I only have 21% battery left? Huh? Does that ever happen to anyone? I had it charging and all of a sudden, like my battery is about to die. It turns red and we start sweating. We double click the home screen and what happens? How in the world are all these apps running? Apps I was using yesterday. And then we start swiping. We start closing the apps. and we start. Cl- so that's what happens. In our life, we function with all these apps running in the background. And we're wondering, why are we so tired? Why are we so exhausted? But it isn't until you double-click that home button that you see the true status of what's going on. And I'm going to tell you this. Coming to that resting place with God is like double-clicking that home button. And he will show you what needs to be shut down. He will show you what is draining your battery. And sometimes it requires you shutting down your phone and doing a hard restart. Amen? Because when we enter into the presence of God, we enter into a resting place. We adjust our thinking. We convert those things that are untrue to what's true. And we unite our faith with the promises of God. Man, when we get to that place where nothing else matters, circumstances don't matter, what we see doesn't matter. When we get to that place, when we are connecting with God, that real true connection, and we're reading his word, and what's going on on the inside of us can really believe and connect with the promises of his word, and what happens? They unite, they get mixed up, and we experience the promises of God. And if you're tired, and if you're weary, the good news is there is a promise of rest for you. But how do we experience the promise of rest? We have to believe that the promises of God and the promise of rest are for you. We have to believe that they're for us. And the second point is this, that we have to believe that the Bible is all true. The Bible is all true from cover 
to cover from page to page. And that also includes the promise of rest. The promise of rest. We need to be sold out on the idea that the Bible is without error. That the belief that no matter what we face, that the Bible has an answer for it. That it is completely trustworthy. It is the guide to salvation. It's the life of our faith. And it will not fail and it will accomplish its purpose. We have to believe that it's all true. Going back to the Israelites, let us not be like those Israelites. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2, again, the message was preached. But it was not mixed with faith to those who heard it. It was not mixed with faith to those who heard it. And here are a few truths today that I want to share with you for you to take and mix with your faith. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the keeper of creation, the creator of all. He is the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead and brought life. He is risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. And the leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And the people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler, he couldn't silence him. New Age can't replace him. And those talking heads on TV, they can't explain him away. He's goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He's holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging. And get this, his mind, his mind is on you. He's your redeemer. He is your savior. He's your guide and he's your peace. He's your joy and he's your comfort. He's your Lord and he rules your life. We serve him because his bond is love, his burden is light, his goal for you is abundant life. We follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders, the overseer and the, of the overcomers, and the sovereign Lord to all that was and is and is to come. In case that's not enough, his goal is a relationship with you. He'll never leave you. 
never forsake you, never mislead you, never forget you, never overlook you. He will never cancel your appointment in his appointment book with you. When you fall, he lifts you up. When you fail, he forgives you. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're lost, he's the way. When you're afraid, he's your courage. When you stumble, he'll steady you. When you're hurt, he heals you. When you're broken, he's the one that mends you. When you're blind, he leads you. When you're hungry, he'll feed you. When you face trials, he's with you. When you face persecution, he shields you. When you face problems, he comforts you. When you face loss, he provides for you. When you face death, he promises to carry us home. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and in every way. He's God. He's faithful. He's yours. And you're his. And in case you forgot, your Father in heaven can whip the father of this earth any day of the week. So if you are questioning why you should feel so secure, know and understand this. He said it. And that settles it. Yes. And when you're tired, and you're weary and when you're exhausted he has given you the promise of rest rest